special thanks to Edward Blank, whose generosity makes this show possible. For as long as people have existed, we've needed advice. And for more than a century, people have sought wisdom from the forward. Is there a way to bring these people together? Do I have to stop seeing him? A friend saw my rabbi at a sex party, and now it's all I can think about. Should I tattle? Starting in 1906, the editors of The Forward answered readers' requests for advice in a column called a bintel brief, meaning a bundle of letters in Yiddish. And now we're bringing the bintel into a new era. Welcome to a bintel brief, the podcast. I'm Gina. I'm Lynn. And we are your hosts for Bintel Brief 2021 edition. I love that we're sitting here with recording equipment and computers and electronics to sit here and and maintain this tradition and this icon and this institution that's more than 100 years old that our collective, many of us, not very far away ancestors, sat around at their kitchen tables or in their tenements or wherever it was and 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 read and talked about this very same stuff. I think it's incredible. It's amazing. And there are plenty of people in our community who don't have that same 100-year history with Bental Brief who didn't grow up reading it in the tenement um, and reading it around the kitchen table with their families. And they want advice too. And so we're able to uh, bring history into the present and give people some good advice. I think people love advice because there's something super specific about that one person's story, but then there's something that's primal, whether you're Jewish or not Jewish, um, and whether you do or don't have that tradition in your family, there's always something relatable. And I think that is is great fun. And like you said, story is universal. We're going to get to dig in on people's personal stories and get to know our personal stories a little bit too on this journey of the Bental Brief. Here's the deal. We're going to be answering questions every week, and we want to answer your question. Please send any and all inquiries or requests for advice, hopes, fears, dreams to us, either by calling 1-201-540-9728. I'll repeat that. 201-540-9728 or emailing bintel at forward.com. That's B-I-N-T-E-L at forward.com. Today, we're answering a question that is both universal and unique, and really is about how we move forward with our lives when things aren't going according to plan. But before we get there, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Lynn Harris. I live in Brooklyn with my husband, who is a rabbi in academia, and we actually live in the house that he grew up in. And uh, we live upstairs, and his parents live downstairs. They're uh, they're actually they're here, right? They're there right now. We have two kids who are quote unquote in school, in middle school and high school, and I put hot sauce on everything. I am a morning person, and. I am really good at ice skating. That is my favorite thing. Other than having the opportunity to think through some really deep questions for people, which is something I have done on and off for lots of magazines. So I feel like this is an awesome and glorious next step. You bring, Lynn, tremendous advice, formal, official, (laughs) professional 
advice giving experience. And I just have most people I work with and love coming to me with questions about this, that, and the other. And so that's my primary qualification. But I'm Gina, y'all. I am a black Jewish woman. And I like to say as of 2020, that I'm born, raised, and returned to South Carolina. Um, I'm back. I'm in Columbia, which is uh, where I went to high school and college. And I don't live in the same house as my parents like Lynn does, but I live 20 minutes away from them now, which is probably the ideal scenario of the two situations that we're in. Let's just be clear. I got four kids. I like politics. I like progress. I like bourbon. I like cooking. And I like beating those children at Scrabble and Bananagrams every Shabbat. So that's me in a nutshell. Let's get to our first question. Dear Buntal, I'm a straight white man in my 50s. I had a big relationship end badly several years ago, and basically I haven't been on a date since. After all this time, and a particularly exhausting national trauma, or two, or eleven, I can't even imagine gathering up the energy to date. I don't even know what that means anymore, or frankly, if I'm even capable of doing big commitment after the last fiasco, which was not entirely of my own making. Still, For a long time, I assumed I'd eventually become a father, but I'm now in my 50s, and due to, you know, general vicissitudes, things have not worked out that way. I have more than my share of awesome friends, but if I'm honest, there's an unspoken, even to myself, sense of grief about the children I never will have. It's so vast, I mostly avoid it completely, but it lurks in the background when I enjoy the happiness of my friends and their lovable kids. I have no idea how to process this grief. I like to think that I'd have been a really good partner and parent. Instead, I'm in this alternate universe where my family doesn't exist. I wouldn't go seeking someone to jam into my own expectations and desires, but I'm starting to need a new way to think about this and find peace. Thanks, Mr. Not Dad. Oh, that is, I feel that in my heart so much, don't you? It hits hard. And I mean, and there's a piece of this that's like, this is a dude. I feel like we hear these questions and, you know, this regret so much typically from women supposedly who regret not having children or not being able to have children. And here we have in our inbox a man who is expressing real deep sadness over not being able to have kids and not having a big commitment relationship. I think there's a lot of questions buried in here. And I'll note, he didn't actually ask a question. Mm, yeah. There's no question mark well, in that's this our, letter to us. No, well, that's our show. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to give you an invite, yeah. advice anyway, Mr. Not Dad. You didn't ask us any specific questions, but I think we're going to have some answers for you. I hope so. Yeah. So what was it? So like we, we, it, it, hit, it hit us both hard why this one hit me hard because i'm you know i'm a similar age and i just kind of imagined him being the guy at the end of the bar who's had regrets and it's not impossible for him to find new ways forward which we're going to talk about but it's the difference between feeling worried about the way your life is going and worried about the way your life has gone and I also related personally just because 
you know, I had a little trouble getting pregnant and it was of, of course very tough at the time. And I remember that, that yearning, that feeling of like, how will this happen? When will this happen? What will it feel like? But then also it's, it's different because, and I don't think that this is necessarily a dead end. It's not questioning what the future will bring. It's feeling like the door has closed. That feeling of sadness feeling. And again, I don't, I query whether it is, but the feeling that he's expressing is that door having closed is just a heartbreaker to me. And the door closed not just on, it looks to me like the door closed not just on potential parenthood, but on potential partnership too. He's had two, he like, there are two doors that look like they're pretty closed to me. I have the opposite sort of primal response because I had kids early and easily. And in fact, it's a, it's a, I've coined a term that I call opportunity guilt that, it, that I, I coined it in the era of Corona, which means people who feel bad that this past year has not been the worst year of their lives. And I feel kind of the same way about how easily and early I got pregnant. Isaac came easily, the first one, and then the subsequent ones came easily too. And so I'm in that opposite position. I was able to do what you've been wanting to do for decades and haven't had a chance to. And that that is what got me. You mentioned that your your son is named Isaac, which reminds me that this story reminded me of Abraham and Sarah. Right. Hint, he's the Sarah. Um, sort of. Sort of. Sort of. Sort right. of. Who is assuming that this is not going to happen, which was a safe assumption for Sarah, who is, what, 99? when she right. When God let her know that actually uh, they might want to prepare the nursery. And Sarah was like, LOL, which what? is, of course, the name of Yatak, which means... Uh, <laughs> which, there we go. You just you just did the sound and you just showed not tell by actually laughing, which is what it means. But I I wonder, and this is where I want to get into kind of what he is and is not asking and why he's not asking a question, which is the Sarah the Sarah story has always been for me the a one of you never know. Mm. And and keeping we talked about how Mr. Not Dad had felt how we felt that his feeling of doors having closed. And the Sarah story reminds me of not in like a goofy, like turn that frown upside down kind of way, but it, it reminds me of the idea of staying open to possibilities. I think there are opportunities, if indeed this is what he actually wants. We can talk about that. I think there are opportunities to 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 create some sort of if not a family, a family facsimile where he can still mourn and grieve. And actually, that was what I, I really loved about his letter was that he named it grief, which I think is what it is. If he hadn't, I think our advice might have been to say, actually, you need to grieve. This is this is a, a grief moment. But I feel like also it's possible to grieve what the, the sort of traditional situation that did not happen. But that doesn't necessarily mean that other doors aren't open. And I, I, I really, that really resonates with me and a couple of things. One, um, you know, rereading his letter and he talks about the grief about the children he'll never have and how he feels when he's enjoying the happiness of his friends and their kids. Like it, like he can't enjoy the happiness 
of children that he did not initiate or welcome into the world. And so to me, that means that he's going to have to, he's still going to have to do some processing even to get to open, right? Even to get to acknowledge and accept the possibility of alternative family arrangements and what that might mean and what that might look like. Also, I'm going to be honest, you know, I talked about the fact that I had uh, my kids early, two of them in my 20s and the final two in my 30s. And I would not have a kid in my 50s. These children are about (laughs) to make me bananas. And I'm 43 this year and I've got 17 and 9 and 13 and 6 and you couldn't pay me. To have to do that when I'm in my like I just don't want to and I get that I am and I get that I like have kids I got them they came I love them and they're wonderful and kiddom parenting babies are hard and I'm also not in my fifties yet so I don't know what it's like and maybe maybe Mister Not Dad you know has a better back than I do and a better temperament than I do <laughs> but I'm like let's process. What didn't happen and that tradition, that traditional element that you didn't get, let's, you know, figure out and then ask the question, can I be served by a family facsimile, like you said? Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. This may not be an opportunity for sort of a Tony Randall situation who, if you recall, um, a a blessed memory, I believe, um, who, if you recall, became a, a new dad in his 70s, which, you know, as you're saying, is just a recipe for knee replacement and disaster. But it made me think of the first person I thought of who I would love to call and get on this show, and it breaks my heart that we can't is uh, David Ehrlich of Blessed Memory, who was uh, the co-owner and founder of Tamil Shilshom, the beloved bookstore cafe in Jerusalem. He was gay, and he died last year, and he was a best friend of my husband. It was just awful. Sorry to make this a big bummer, but my point is he brilliantly and wonderfully created a family by basically platonic uh, matchmaking with a woman who was ready to have kids and didn't have a partner. Mm. And they, he did a whole process of platonic dating to find a woman that he felt compatible with and felt that he could co-parent with. And he found that woman. And they, they had separate apartments, but walking, you know, like a foot from, you know, really close to each other. The kids had whatever, you know, back-to-back super equal arrangement they had. And that's a thing. So I'm not saying that this letter writer should now go to Jerusalem and, and, and enact that exact same scenario, but there are these things in our world now that if, you know, as you say, Gina, if he if he's able to go through this some sort of process in some way and really does want that door to start edging open, there's stuff out there. Right, right. There's stuff. And I think there's a question uh, around what he hoped to get out of parenthood that he feels is is so missing. And I think answering that question will help him get at what type of alternative arrangement might work for someone who is a single white dude um, in their 50s. And we don't know if he's 51 or 59. And look, quite frankly, age does matter. Like, I, I think it does. I think that it really, really does. But there is, like you said, so many opportunities for him to potentially, cons- potentially consider and still all of them require him to process this and to say goodbye to that traditional nuclear old school idea of what of what family what family is and what family can be but i want to i want to get back to 
the relationship question. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because that one was really interesting to me because, you know, Mr. Not Dad is also Mr. Not Boyfriend. He hasn't dated anyone in several years. And, you know, I can't tell from his letter if he wants to. Or if you need, like, you know, going back to the kids question, what do you want out of a relationship? Like he mentioned big commitment. And it's like, well, I mean, you could still date and not have big commitment. What do you want? The first part to me is kind of came into focus toward the end. He says, and rightly, you know, I can't, I can't just force someone to, you know, accommodate my needs, which I assume means I can't just go find someone and somehow create a family with that person in my own, you know, the way I want to. But I, th but that's when I sort of went, but can't you? What I mean is, can't you go, aren't there lots of women with kids who want to date dudes who want them to have kids? Right. Like, isn't that normally... Doesn't isn't that normally a thing? That's a that, category in dating. Yeah, that's right? a thing. It's right. not weird. It's not like okay, but but she also has to be you know a larper who is vegan and like it's a pretty big category, right? So those to me were kind of interesting bookends because it did make me ask the same question, which is: Are there doors that you have kind of wedged a chair up against? Is there and is that, you know, can you take that chair out from under the doorknob and open that door a crack and see that, like, actually, yes, this is very big. It's a huge deal and it's very hard, but also it's not outlandish. Right. And so it makes me feel like he, Mr. Not Dad is more, he's more upset with that his life hasn't turned out to look the way he thought lives should turn out meaning with the partner, with the big commitment, um, which he put in cap in initial caps in his letter to uh -huh. us. Yeah. And in 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 the having of the children or not having of the children. And that both of these together feel like a monumental miss for him, even though we've identified several ways where they don't have to be, if he'd be willing to sort of, you know, widen the aperture of the lens on life. I think we also can't discount just this moment right now. One thing that I personally cannot relate to just because I, I don't have this experience is of the experience of the pandemic, the loneliness of, the, of it as a single person. Actually, I can relate to just being out of practice. Like I, I realized I don't remember how to New York anymore. I took the subway the other day and like wasn't sure where I was going. I wore the wrong shoes. Mm. I didn't, you know, I, I don't know how to New York, right? So if I don't know how to New York, and I'm not even really sure how to social anymore, I can imagine that the minor, you know, chemical titrations that you need to do in order to just like get your act together to to go out there um, are harder than ever. But that to me, so that's, I think it's a factor. I don't think it's a, a dead end here, but I, th I can see why that might be heaping itself upon the hesitance. It's also get overable, getable over, get overable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the pandemic is is a obviously a thing that's the understatement of the year but his muscle memory had already faded significantly like even before the pandemic he had not been on a date in years it's true and it's true. i mean obviously not going on a date for years is a magnitude of difference from not seeing a person <laughs> for 12 months or so i'm not trying to equate the two and like you said 
this year of pronounced solitude, for sure, is probably one of the reasons why this letter was written this week. It's not that it's not just that the pandemic has has made all of this stuff doubly, triply, quadruply hard, but that now actually, uh oh, someone hilariously said on Twitter, "You've heard of FOMO? Now get ready for phobia, fear of being included." <laughs> um, so like. <laughs> Oh man! Now, th- so this, so he must have on top of everything. To your point about this moment, like fear of having to get out there, however you pronounce that, you know. Look, this person is clearly articulate, smart. I'm judging on writing style, and what I'm saying by that, what I mean by that, is that he clearly is a mature adult who can have two conflicting feelings at once. I wonder if there's an opportunity for him to, as you are saying very rightly to, you know, hold on to and have that grief and really like allow it, like let it in, call it that, do that thing, but also explore. Okay, well, what do, insofar as one can explore these things, because, you know, you said, find out why you want to be a parent. I think that's right. But I also feel like that's one of those things where there may be no why, because it's like, it's, there is something primal. I'm not saying there's something natural about it in the sense that like everyone should feel this way. I just mean for those of us who feel it, it's, it's innate, right? Uh, often. I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but well, I, could, right. I could describe it that but way. But I right? think what's, what does he feel like he's missing? Like, uh-huh. what do, like what does he feel like he's missing because he didn't reproduce? Right. And can right. we achieve that even without actually reproducing? Right. So, right. Right. So, like, if the feeling is it the is it the pain of like literally not reproducing? That's one thing. Yep. But if it's something about being, you know, is there a piece of that? I mean, I don't want to be dopey, but like, Big Brother Association. You know, there are there are teens who need to be fostered. There are you know where you don't have to have an infant. You know, right. um, there are so there are mentor programs. There are, um, as we said, women <laughs> women out there who for whom this is an ideal personal ad in many ways. So if some of those things, not all, but if some of those the needs that we're talking about can be met by opportunities that our society and culture has brought to later in life potential parents. Yep. They're and, there. And some of those benefits are, some of those technological benefits are in the dating game. Like we just talked about categories of people. How easy is it in this day and age to be in, and I don't even know all the apps, but there's so many apps where you can subdivide and target and like look for that particular person who could meet some of these needs. What does he feel like he's missed? And I think, you know, he's been out of the game, the uh, dating game for several years. So he has, he may have no idea what's possible in terms of the ways we find people now and the ways people connect and the ways people actually um, happen upon their forever partners. It's happening online all the time now. Yeah, there's, he should find one. There's probably already one that's called like father, but like with no E, you know, that it, right. <laughs> okay, so joking aside, I did a thing. I looked into this. I went on Match.com and I created enough of a profile, basically an, an avatar for Mr. Not Dad. I created enough of a pro- profile that I could search. And I was able to search specifically and only for women around my age who have kids at home. Of course, I didn't know if that meant they're like, 
God help us, 40 and still living at home. But anyway, <laughs> kids who live at home. And so the second profile I came up with was this delightful uh, kismet doc who says, where I am in life. Eight years ago, she writes, I chose to have a child on my own using an anonymous donor. Yes, I would have preferred to have a child within a loving relationship with a husband, but as I got older, I came to realize that I didn't want to potentially miss out, you know, the story, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then she says, above all, a must is someone who loves children. And she says, the checkbox options don't capture it. I'm happy with just my one child or meeting a partner who already has children or having more children, whatever. The point is, Wait, she's, she's looking. Yeah. She's looking for maybe even more children. Yes. So, ding, ding, ding. I mean, obviously they have to meet, but. Yeah, yeah, we'll work on that. But I'm, but I'm just saying, and that took me, I think, 10 minutes, seven of which was coming up with a funny username, which meant nothing because it's actually not a real profile. So it took me like three minutes. So imagine, seriously, um, how not hard it could be, Mr. Not Dad, if you put your mind to it to find these women who are not unicorns. We know there's supply, you know, we know there are just, we know there are women out there with kids who are looking for partners who might fit his description. So it's not a supply problem. It's, uh, it, which makes me wonder, you know, is it a demand problem? Like what, what does he really want? What is he ready for truly? Does he want to just grieve or does he want to both grieve and create a new path forward? And I'm not sure. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about the way he wrote to us, he made reference to, you know, the last fiasco and admitted that it wasn't, you know, quote, not entirely of his own making. So what does that mean? And what does, you know, what's the shadow that that experience, you know, what shadow is that casting on mm. his current situation? Maybe because, I don't know which is the chicken and which is the egg, maybe because he hasn't dated, or maybe this is why he hasn't dated, that there's still a little bit, I can sort of hear the faint squeak of an axe grinding, and mm. that maybe there's something, it's not just that the relationship ended, but something about it that lo these many years later is still bugging him, which we all understand. I mean, of course, like that's a thing that happens. But at this point, if it's getting in the way of something that you want then we gotta there's something that's got to be done there it also just makes me feel like much as he could do would do well to kind of choose to grieve if he does want to just kind of get back out there on the on the father app or whatever um if <laughs> i'm sorry if, the father app it's great i'm gonna go on shark tank now is the season over how does that work how does shark tank work let's talk about that offline yes father but there's something simple, like at one, at some level, it, it does matter kind of what happened. On another level, it doesn't because it was seven years ago. And if he wants something new and wants to make a change and wants all this new stuff and, and really wants to, this, this wants to kind of recover in some form, this phase of his life that he's mourning, then like whatever it is, kind of just needs to be over. Doesn't yeah. matter. It's old now. It's seven years. It's like, this is the year, what is it? Seven years when you can throw out your tax returns, yep. you know? And it, like it's done. Um, in order for him to take these new steps, and just and that's a choice. It's just a choice. And I don't mean to be flip. Like I know all this stuff is hard, but it's it's maybe just a. It it's hard to make, sort of make your heart feel a certain way. But 
you know, people talk about mindset change. You know, mm-hmm. what's your approach? Is Did you make up a story that you can't date until you get over this person? Query that story. Did you make up a story that you can't date until you let go of your anger? Okay, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe you can date and still be angry. Like, that's just a story. Or maybe, yeah, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you're not over her. Maybe you never will be. Still might not mean you can't date. I don't right. know. Right. It's all just made up. And that really leads us, I think, to, you know, the final analysis here, which is that he has choices still to make and still to consider and options before him if he chooses to make the choice to consider them. And whatever those options may be, they all require him to say goodbye to the thinking that has captured him both in regard to the partner in the relationship and in regard to the children and put that to the curb and think about something new, think about something different, think about something that's possible and not only about something that was once potential. Agree. I think, okay, so here it is where, you know, it's, it's, there's a new dawn, there's a new day. People are coming, people are like doors are opening literally, you know, uh, people are, are, you know, people are, masks are coming off in the right scenarios. You know, people are revealing themselves. Doors are opening. Clouds are parting. This is the moment. This is the moment, Mr. Not Dad. Um, Grieve, yes. Feel your feels, as they say. Have them. They're legit. They're real. And if you want these options, they are there for you. And we want you to have them because we think you will be a great dad in some way or form, whatever that means in 2021. We want it for you. We think you can have it if you want to go get it. Thanks for your letter, Mr. Not Dad. That was a good one. We're going to be answering your questions and queries and requests for advice every week. So please send them to us. We can't answer them if we don't have them. So give us the tea. Give us all the deets. Give us every bit of information you feel comfortable sharing. Do not hold back. We can edit. You don't have to. We want to read everything we got to know. We want to ponder. We want to discuss. We want to dig in. We want to do a close read. We want to do textual interpretation. For we are Jews. We want to help. So please send us your questions at bintel at forward.com. Or even better, call us. Pencils out. 201-540-9728. Before I go, I feel I need to let the listeners know a little secret about this recording session today. This entire time, I have been visited by a giant palmetto bug. Southerners, South Carolinians, Georgians, Floridians, you feel me. You know what I'm talking about. It has been scurrying about this room the entire time. And the fact that we have been able to record this lovely episode telling Mr. Not Dad all of our best advice is nothing short of a miracle. I'll see you next time, hopefully without a bug in the room. (laughs) This podcast is a product of The Forward. Our editor-in-chief is Jody Rudoran, and our CEO and publisher is Rachel Fishman-Fetterson. This show is produced by Wonder Media Network, and our producer is Ira Simonson. Our production assistant is Carmen Borga Cadillo. Our executive producer is Ginny Kaplan. Special thanks again to Edward Blank, whose generosity makes this show possible.